You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Hello, everybody. I'm Jack Christides, and I'd like to say welcome to America's Web Radio and welcome to Billion Dollar Ballers, the show discussing the business of sports involving everything from the NCAA all the way up to the major leagues. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in this morning. We've got a great show for you. A lot of new topics, a lot of huge updates, and uh, we'll start with the one that I think is probably first on everyone's mind right now, and that is that the NFL is back. Yep. Last night, the uh, the Chiefs and the Texans kicked off the opening game of the NFL season. Um, a great game. Got the Chiefs pulling out huge win uh, for all those who bet on the game. First bad beat of the season. Uh, I think the under was 53 and a half and the final total was 54. Um, so if you were lucky enough to win that bet, congrats. If you, uh, if you just barely missed it, then better luck next time. Don't stop betting. It's going to be a long season. Um, but as you, as you all know, this show, we don't necessarily focus on what happens on the field, although it was definitely a great game last night. We like to focus a little bit on what happened off the field. And um, this uh, this first game definitely presented a unique opportunity for us to discuss. Uh, again, unfortunately, I don't, I don't love talking about it, but I think it's something that we have to discuss this week. Um, some of these social justice campaigns and impact that they're having on the business of the NFL. And uh, last week we talked a little bit about how it's affecting the NBA. Um, now, if you're not sure exactly what I'm talking about, um, we started off this game, uh, and I thought it was a great display, to be, to be honest with you. Um, we started off this game with uh, a long list of social justice impact ideas, and Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback for the Chiefs, former MVP, Super Bowl MVP, uh, best quarterback in the league, uh, according to many people, and Deshaun Watson uh, of the Texans, another great, talented quarterback. Um, they came together, and, and they helped support what they called a moment of silence dedicated to the ongoing fight for equality in our country. Um, so what they did is they had both teams link arms, and everybody stood um, in, a, in a show of unity uh, in support of that cause. Um they also had a uh, performance of Lift Every Voice and Sing alongside the National Anthem. Uh, and for those unfamiliar, many people consider that to be the Black National Anthem. Now, um, in terms of the actual National Anthem, uh, the Texans team stayed in their locker room um, entirely. And the Kansas City team all remained standing except for one player. That was defensive end Alex Okafor. Uh, he knelt with his fist raised. And if you're wondering why I'm even bothering to talk about all of this, um, the reason I'm bothering to talk about this is the Chiefs fans in the stadium all booed the, the show of solidarity that they had. Um, and whether you agree with these protests or not, whether you agree with this fight for social justice or not, um, it's impossible to ignore the fact that very clearly a large percentage of the Kansas City fans in the stadium, at least, um, felt strongly, a strong distaste enough to, to boo the protest. Now, um, the ratings for this first game were good ratings. Um, I mean, the football sells. 
it gets rating points like no other show on television uh, on Thursday night. That that didn't change. I, the official ratings aren't out yet, but many millions of TV sets were tuned into the game, um, and and the proofs in the advertising money um, as the NFL kickoff game was sold out with revenue up double digit versus 2019, uh, and the average cost of a 30 second spot near nine hundred thousand dollars. Uh, however, if if that large percentage of Kansas City fans um, is to be taken as a good sample for how the rest of the league's fans feel, uh, we could be facing a potential rating struggle for the NFL uh, due to this implementation of all the social justice efforts and, and things like that. Um, I can't tell you the amount of people that will actually stop watching, but it's certainly something that's at least worth monitoring um, and, and I would say I'm sure that the NFL players and the NFL as a whole are willing, um, to probably take a little bit of a hit there to take a ratings hit in the name of that cause. Um, but in a season where they're already bound to lose some money due to the loss of fans in the stadium, uh, it's definitely fair to question just how much more money they can stand to lose. Um, and if they're willing to lose that money for a social justice cause, um, with that being said, uh, if they did have really high ratings this week, which it seems like they would, and with the revenue up from the ad dollars so much, uh, it's, it's good news for the networks and the league. It means that money will be made this season, uh, economic struggles notwithstanding, and it means that the NFL will be able to generate the kinds of payments it's seeking in the next round of negotiations from all of these TV networks. Um, so overall, a pretty good start to the NFL season. Um, again, the booing was not great, but all things considered, I think it was a pretty good first night for the NFL. Um, let's talk a little bit about about the fans. So uh, a few shows ago, I gave you the breakdown at that point in time of all the teams that were going to allow fans in their stadiums and all the teams that weren't. Now, while there are a significant amount of teams that have come forth and said that it doesn't matter what happens, they're not going to have any fans in their stadiums this year. There are some teams that will be having at least some fans in their stadiums. Um, and the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs are one of those teams. Um, so the Chiefs allowed around 16,000 fans into Arrowhead Stadium on Thursday, uh, despite the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, the Kansas City mayor's name's Quentin Lucas. He acknowledged earlier in the week that uh, at least one person with the virus would attend the game, but he said officials consulted medical experts before making final decisions to allow fans. Uh, and he said that he believes that because Arrowhead Stadium is so large, um, and for those of you who aren't aware of the size of the stadium, it's an 80,000-seat stadium, so one of the larger NFL stadiums, a great stadium there, in uh, Kansas City, um, they're able to keep social distancing. They're going to be able to keep the people outside, which is exactly what happened. I mean, if you saw on TV, all the fans are spread out. It's an open-air stadium, um, and, and the scientists and the doctors, they're all saying that that limits the spread of the disease. Uh, and they make sure that people aren't interacting in close spaces. They're not touching surfaces. Um, they're not doing the concessions like they normally would. So... Um, 
Well, it's probably rare. I would imagine that few of you would be able to have the experience of attending an NFL game this season. Um, but if you do, I would love to hear about that experience. I have, uh, I have no idea what it would be like to go to an event like an NFL game right now. I mean, so many of us just haven't been to an event that large in so long. Um, I'm sure it's a very interesting experience, um, but definitely, I mean, a desirable experience. Everyone still wants to see football live, and I can only imagine how being one of the few allowed into a stadium would feel. Um, so definitely an, uh, an interesting change there. Um, Donald Trump did comment. Uh, he sent out a number of tweets. I'm not going to read through all of them. Um, but he, he's expre- expressed, uh, his opinions on both sides of the NFL return. Um, if you'll remember in 2017, he called NFL players kneeling during the national anthem, quote, sons of bitches. Uh, and this week he, he, he re-upped that a little bit. He said that he stands with brave soldiers and patriots who stand for the anthem and the flag, not those who disrespect it. Um, his son, Donald Trump Jr., said that football is officially dead when he heard about the protest. Uh, but then you also have them tweeting out their congratulations for the start of the NFL season. Um, again, as we know, I mean, the president has a huge impact on the, um, on the things that happen um, economically in this country. And he's been able to sway in, in some part the, the viewership of the NBA and in the past, the viewership of the NFL, a lot of his supporters have tried to boycott the NFL. Um, I would just say, I mean, he's coming on both sides of the issue. He, he was clearly happy that football was back. He, he's gone out against the protests. So uh, maybe maybe that won't end up having such a big economic impact, but um, we'll see. Just all these little things, you never know what's going to have an impact and what won't. So monitor that a little bit closer. Um, before, before I break down what we'll be discussing in the rest of today's show, um, a lot of topics we've discussed more recently. One, one brand new topic that I actually don't think I've ever discussed on this show, um, but something that I think we should discuss shortly. Um, I'll close out the NFL segment of today with a little reminder of, um, just how much money the NFL stands to lose because of COVID. Um, and again, if, especially if anything were to happen that would cause a season shutdown, uh, or at least a shutdown of any fans, a small amount of fans that are currently allowed to attend. Um, so worst case scenario, if this was the only NFL game that would be, have been played with fans, which it won't be, I, I don't think that's anything you have to worry about. Um, but again, if the NFL were to have fans barred from attending any future game, they would stand to lose around $7 billion um, amongst some of the teams who said they'll have no fans in the stadiums at all, period, no matter what. Uh, you've got the Las Vegas Raiders, New York Giants, New York Jets, and Philadelphia Eagles. Um, so um, that's, I mean, that's $7 billion. Even in the NFL, that's a significant amount of money, um, not to mention any ratings hits or anything like that that could potentially happen. Um, so we're talking big money. If you want to, if you want to break it down to just a one team, um, it averages out around $570 million per team. Um, and again, the same thing in the NFL as the NBA, they're kind of standing to lose 
they're kind of getting hit double because they're losing their initial ticket sales and then the percentage that they give the ticket resales, unqualified resellers such as like your Ticketmaster, StubHub, things like that. Um, so it's a huge chunk of change that they stand to lose right now. Um, so if I had to guess, they'll be motivated to continue to get some fans in stadiums, especially as we continue to track and see how safe this first, uh, this first game was. Um, quick breakdown of our next segments. We're going to talk specifically about the Big Ten in NCAA football, uh, as we've talked about before. They don't plan on, uh, on playing. They've discussed a return. We'll talk a little bit about that. Some, specific cases, what could potentially happen. Um, we're then going to get into a segment, um, a topic I haven't really discussed yet, um, and I wonder if any of you are actually uh, interested in this. I would imagine that, that many are. Um, we were due for an Olympics coming up uh, in 2020, and that's no longer going to happen. It was supposed to be in Tokyo. Um, so that's gotten delayed, and it got me, got me thinking recently how is this Olympics issue, this delay, going to affect future Olympics? How is it going to affect Tokyo? LA has the 2028 Olympics. Is that going to be affected? So we'll break down some of that. And then in the final segment today, we'll do kind of another uh, lightning segment, bounce around, discuss a lot of alternative sports, a lot of the things that um, that have been adapting during the coronavirus and things like that. So definitely a great show coming up. And, uh, Stick around. We'll talk Big Ten football and, and hopefully a potential return for Big Ten football after a short break. You can keep your doctor, you can keep your plan, and every family will save thousands of dollars a year. I'm Ellen Deal, and if you've been hurt by the Affordable Care Act, you can email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com to see if we can help. Small business owners, individuals, families, and baby boomers, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com for three easy questions to determine if you can get away from Obamacare. I'm a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry and here to help you for all your insurance needs. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, I am Roger B., host of the Locked and Loaded Show on America's Web Radio. Be sure to join us live every Tuesday at 1500 hours for the latest in gun news, gun products, gun politics, and other gun-related stuff. That's Tuesday, 1500 hours, America's Web Radio. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around Town Movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them. Hey folks, this is Victor Armanderas with the On Point with Victor show. Just to remind you, don't miss every Tuesday, 2 to 3, live right here on America's Web Radio. And remember, I'm not angry, I'm just right. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
Welcome back to America's Web Radio and welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers. Covered NFL football in the first segment. Back with more football here as we're going to discuss college football. Uh, one of my favorite topics to discuss on the show. I know we've discussed it a lot. Um, get a special, specialized kind of zone in today on the Big Ten. Uh, as we talked about before, Big Ten and Pac-12 football, uh, the two conferences that have not planned on having a season this year. We talked a little bit about the protests at the University of Michigan, uh, how the University of Michigan uh, players and coaches obviously want to return. And, and that sentiment has been echoed all across college football, um, but especially within the Big Ten where they feel that it's definitely unfair to allow other conferences to play while, while their season is put on the back burner, so to speak. Um, a couple programs in the Big Ten that have been especially upset alongside the University of Michigan include the Ohio State Buckeyes, uh, and Nebraska Cornhuskers. Um, the Ohio State Buckeyes football coach Ryan Day recently questioned the Big Ten, uh, hinting at a mid-October return. Um, on Thursday, he issued a statement through the school um, which essentially stated his desire to return in mid-October um, and continued to question the communication from the Big Ten since its decision last month to postpone the season. Um, he said, quote, While I understand the Big Ten's decision to postpone the football season because of health and safety considerations, the communication of information from the Big Ten following the decision has been disappointing and often unclear. Um, and I mean, I think that's a lot of what all of these programs have been feeling. Ryan Day in Ohio State, obviously, as one of the best programs in the Big Ten, is one of the programs that routinely is uh, successful not only on the field and, and with winning football games, but also from the standpoint of revenue and from actually turning a profit for their, their athletic department. Um, his words have weight to them. Um they come, that statement came just days before the ACC officially began its season, or is set to begin its season on Saturday. Uh, and the Big Ten has lately, um, been attempting to find ways to get back. I mean, we talked just last week about the call with President Donald Trump and the commissioner, um, the commissioner of the conference and, and saying that they think there might be a safe pathway towards return. Um, but October, mid-October, would definitely be quicker than a lot of people were thinking. Um, if we look back to August 11th when the Big Ten had that vote, um, only three teams elected to actually play the season, and uh, those three teams were Ohio State, Iowa, and Nebraska. Um, not surprising, those are the three schools that uh, heavily rely on the revenue from their football program. But it's interesting to see uh, how a coach like Ryan Day in such a, such a position of power uh, in terms of the Big Ten has been able to routinely discuss and combat what the conference has been saying in hopes that they can return uh, a little more quickly. Um, on Tuesday, 
political leaders from six states sent a letter to the Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren, league presidents and chancellors, urging them to reconsider the postponement. Um, all 10 lawmakers who signed the letter are Republicans, uh, although the six states that they represent do include the seven Big Ten schools. Um, the Big Ten did respond, saying that they will work to identify opportunities to resume competition as soon as it's safe to do so. And, and the reason I'm talking about all of this um, is just to illustrate to you that it's, it's not just the fans that want this football back. It's not just the players. It's not even just the coaches. Um, we're now seeing lawmakers, policymakers, people in government getting involved and attempting to reverse the decision by the Big Ten to not play their season. Um, and again, it all just boils down to the fact that sports is a business, even college sports is a business. Um, and it's a business large enough with a big enough economic footprint to inspire uh, actual government officials um, to take the time out of their busy days with everything that's going on, with the social injustice in the country, with COVID going on right now, all of these things, uh, they're taking the time out of their day to write a handwritten personal letter uh, to members, important members of the Big Ten, because they know that we need football back to help our economy. Um, I mean, we all need football back for our mental health, just for as sports fans, we all want to watch these, these great college athletes play football, just like we were able to watch the NFL last night. Um, but when it boils down to it, uh, there's only, there's only a, a handful of things that could inspire a lawmaker to take that time out of their day. Um, and football and, and college football is one of those large businesses um, that they definitely are pushing to have back. Um, now, speaking of Ohio State and Nebraska, uh, two of the teams that initially wanted to have the season and continue to push for that. Um, uh, again, I talked about how how big of a revenue they drive just from their football programs. I want to shift a little bit to Nebraska here um, and continue to talk about Nebraska and talk about an interesting concept that Nebraska and Ohio State have both discussed. And that's the concept of leaving the Big Ten uh, in order to play their college football season this year. Now, it's not something that I'm positive or you know, not only just positive, it's not something that I'm even sure is possible for them at this point in time. I think we're a little far along the road here. Um, but for those of you who may have heard about this story or maybe you're just hearing about it and wondering, uh, one, is that possible? Two, why would they ever do that? Uh, three, has anyone ever done it? Well, yes, uh, it is possible, technically, and it has been done before. Um, Notre Dame, Notre Dame's football program, does not belong to any conference. They're, they're what's called an independent, um, and it's actually worked out quite well for them. They set their own schedule, play a very competitive schedule. Um, they, they have their own sports network. NBC airs all the Notre Dame games. Um, so they do very well from the standpoint of getting a television contract. They have a loyal fan base, uh, and the rest of their sports teams are able to play in the ACC conference. So it's not as if um, their whole school pulled out. It was just their football program, which is something that Nebraska and Ohio State ha have been said to have been looking at recently. Uh, it would be a hard move to be sure, 
Um, leaving the Big Ten means losing a $50 million revenue share from the conference. Uh, and in the case of Nebraska, um, they've played football in the Big Ten since 2011. Um, and, and that was when they left the Big 12. Uh, and from a financial standpoint, they've been making far more money. Um, so that, that answers your question of, is it possible, I suppose? But but the next question I'm sure you're asking is why would they do that? So let's take a quick look at what the true motivation is. Um, and that is the financial hardship that would come from missing this full season. Um, essentially what it comes down to is would Nebraska be willing to lose that $50 million to recover something in 2020 that would help sustain the program now? Um, Scott Frost uh, estimated that Nebraska would lose 80 to 120 million dollars if they play no Big Ten football this year. Uh, and Nebraska is a school where the, a large percentage of their revenue share, almost close to 80 percent of their revenue share for their athletic department, um, goes to pay for things. And uh, if they don't play football, he said, "quote We're not going to be able to pay for anything here, uh, and we will not be making money," which. I mean, it makes sense. It's Nebraska, um, school well known for their football, um, but I, I don't know many other Nebraska sports teams. Even their basketball team doesn't pull in near the revenue that that football team does. Um, it, it's a reason why they've even entertained playing a road schedule within a 500 mile radius just for one year. Um, and for them, I really do think it's a chance worth taking. I think that. Uh, I don't know that it'll it'll happen because it definitely is uh, a risky move on their part. But if the Big Ten doesn't come back at all this year and, and those issues are continuing on into who knows, maybe even into next year, there's no telling for sure when COVID will be gone or when the vaccine will come. Um, leaving your conference is a possibility. It's something that has been done before. Uh, I just wanted to let all of you know that it's a possibility, and I would not 100% rule it out, although I do think it's entirely unlikely. Um, now, uh, with that being said, I do think that with the push from the lawmakers and all of these big programs, Nebraska, Ohio State, Michigan, Iowa, uh, and Maryland, also recently coming out with some opposition to everything that's going on. I think that they're going to end up coming back. If I had to guess, it'll be uh, sometime in November. That's the that's the plan right now. Um, if I had to guess, they won't get the October start date done. But November seems like a real possibility, especially following the election. I think there could potentially be a lot of change there. So if you are a Big Ten fan, um, just hold on and hope <laughs> – all I can offer you right now. I think you'll get to see your favorite football teams this year. Not sure the capacity will be in. Probably won't be a, a formal national championship push for any of the teams this year. But um, there's so much money to be lost. I would be shocked if they don't try to make up at least some portion of it. Um, so that concludes our coverage of, of NCAA football this week. If you're not a Big Ten supporter, um, hopefully you're at least interested by, by that whole leaving the conference concept. Um, in, in the next coming weeks, we'll cover some of the conferences that are actually playing on the field, how they're managing to, uh, 
close the gap of the amount of money they could have potentially lost and the amount of money that they're able to make right now. Um, and again, our next segment is going to delve into the Olympics, uh, everything that's happening with the future Olympics and, and, and a little bit about how the Olympics operate um, and especially how they're able to be of economic benefit. Um, so we'll get to that again right after a short break. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schurz, as we talk about the topics that doctors talk about amongst themselves, such as Medicare, Obamacare, alternative forms of care, and health information technology. Join us every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Good morning. Uh, this is David Moxley and the Classic Car Show, and uh, we've got a great job to do right now, and that's welcome a new advertiser to the Classic Car Show. And many of you have seen their trucks on the road as well as know and have used them over the in the past. And it's um, we've got uh, Steve Capper on the line with us, and he's with McAllister's Transportation Group. And, um, Steve, how are you doing today? Morning, David. I'm fine. How about yourself? Just fine. And tell us something about uh, what you do as well as uh, what makes you all stand out from everybody else. Sure. Uh, first of all, I'd like to uh, thank you for, uh, for the time and the opportunity to sponsor and partner with such a, a great group. You guys, for what you stand for, uh, is right in line with uh, the mottos and uh, the mantra of our company as well. Uh, my title is Vice President of Sales and Business Development. I'm responsible for all sales throughout the United States, uh, myself and my team. Uh, and what we do as a company is we provide enclosed transportation to the automobile industry. Uh, and that's straight down from the OEMs through snowbirds and personal moves. And our favorite stuff to do of, of all of that is uh, the collector car market. Uh, we're fully involved with the Amelia Islands, uh, Pebble Beaches, and all of the major shows throughout the United States. You know, and I have heard nothing but th- good things about you all, and we certainly do appreciate it. How do people get a hold of you? And um, we'll go from there. Sure. You can uh, reach us a couple different ways. The easiest way is if you're uh, web savvy, you can go to McAllister's, and that's M double C O double L. I-S-T-E-R-S dot com. And you can see a whole layout on, on what we do as an organization. And there's a web form there that you can send in and request a quote for a transport move. Or you can call our 800 number. That's 800-748-3160. And David, I don't give this number out to many people, but I'm going to give it out to you and to your viewers. Uh, they can call my direct cell line as well. And that's 609 960 6397. And uh, just give us a call. We're here to serve you uh, and here to uh, to make everything happen for you folks. Steve, thank you. And we look forward to a long partnership and friendship with you all, with you and McAllister. So we uh, thanks for being a part of America's Web Radio now. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 
Welcome back to America's Web Radio, and welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers. Uh, just finished talking about NCAA football, uh, Nebraska, Ohio State potentially leaving conferences, a lot of intriguing stuff there. Uh, moving on to a more international topic, um, and that is the Olympics. Uh, many of you may have been wondering where the Olympics went this summer, uh, or many of you may have completely forgotten that there was supposed to be an Olympics this summer. Uh, either way, yes, there was supposed to be a Tokyo Olympics in Japan this year, uh, 20 Olympics. They trotted out everything from uh, an outstanding logo to a, a financial, detailed financial plan. Um, unfortunately, uh, that was not possible uh, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And as you can imagine, um, if we're struggling to have an NCAA Division One football season, the logistics of coordinating an international event like the Olympics um, is even more difficult to handle. Um, so obviously they weren't able to get that done. Um, but I, I just wanted to talk about just how expensive an Olympics is. Um, obviously the logistical nightmare to put together in the first place. Um, but uh, the estimated cost to date for the Tokyo Olympics is roughly $30 billion. Um, now, an Olympics has simply never been postponed. Uh, I'm sure people will remember, even in times of World War, uh, everything has always been put on pause for the Olympics. And that's because historically, the Olympics have been uh, a symbol of um, of world unity and, and coming together to celebrate sport as a means of of really setting aside people's differences in the name of competition. And the Olympics goes back to ancient Greece um, to literally championing the athlete, the original athlete. And it's obviously been expanded on um, and become a whole new thing. Um, and the reason that cities such as Tokyo are willing to spend upwards of $30 billion um, is because of all the great media attention, the eyeballs, um, not to mention tourism spikes, um, advertising dollars, uh, brand new facilities, ec local economic benefits. I mean, there's a whole lot of money to be made, and you can really spur some economic growth if you have a quality Olympics. Um, unfortunately... Uh, in recent history, many of these Olympics have been losing money due to either poor infrastructure, structure, overspending, or miscalculation. Um, now, unfortunately, um, as Tokyo has already spent roughly $30 billion, postponing this Olympics, which is now official, has been postponed till 2021, potentially means an additional economic loss of $5.7 billion. Um, now, that's going to include the cost of maintaining stadiums in the Olympic Village for another year. Um, typically, those Olympic Villages are temporary spots. They build those. Um, and if you're not familiar, the Olympic Village is where they house all of those Olympic athletes. Um, some funny stories about those Olympic Villages. Uh, a lot of the athletes in the past have said that it's essentially a... Uh, well, I'll be blunt here. The athletes have said it's a big group of horny athletes. Um, 
I guess uh, I guess it's a good time in those Olympic villages, but that's besides the point. Um, it does cost money to put those up, and typically the costs are very temporary as they're not maintaining those over a long period of time. But now they're going to have to maintain not only the Olympic Village, but all of these stadiums for another year. Um, there's also the logistical process of moving the games and public relations expenditure. Uh, add this to the lost income of the nearly 600,000 tourists expected to journey to Tokyo, as well as the local public spending. And uh, Tokyo is now potentially facing some economic decline from something that they had hoped could spur some economic growth. Um, there's going to be a whole host of contracts that need to be renegotiated, hotels, transport equipment, temporary commodities, tents, trailers, generators. I mean, just so many things, so many things. Organizers have to rebook the 14,000-strong security team, finish training the 80,000 volunteers. Um, it's just so much money that goes into to putting up what really amounts to the largest event in the world. Um, and again, they're, they're hopeful that it'll return in 2021, but we have no idea. I mean, we have no idea what's going on with coronavirus. It's, it, it's been a total roller coaster. And the problem with an Olympics is it really doesn't matter how good to- Tokyo is doing. Um, Tokyo could be doing extremely well. Uh, it's an international event, and you're bringing in athletes from many countries around the world. Um, and you may be saying yourself, well, can they do a bubble situation? I mean, that, that's all great in theory until you realize the amount of people there. Uh, it's the same reason that the NFL is not doing a bubble after seeing how successful it was um, for the NBA, and it has been for UFC and the NHL. Um uh, and we're only talking, uh, again, I mean, the NFL seems big compared to the NBA, but, I mean, it, compared to an Olympics, it's it's literally nothing. So a bubble doesn't seem quite feasible for an Olympic, so it'll be very interesting to see just how Tokyo is able to, to get over all these struggles and figure this out for 2021. Um, and, again, we're going to have to just wait and see. But for all of us in the United States um, that are potentially more interested in how this could affect uh, a United States Olympics, there is a United States Olympics on the clock, and, and that is the 2028 Olympics in Los Angeles. Um, interestingly enough, the 2028 Olympics will be shortly followed um, with an LA World Cup, um, which is something we can discuss on another show. But the 2028 Olympics... Um, it could be a black swan event in 2020 or 2021 now here with the Tokyo Olympics, so to speak, um, leading to big cost overruns for the 2028 Olympics. Um, so LA's 2028 security budget is contained in a $1.2 billion line item. Um, and the federal government has pledged hundreds of millions, if not more, uh, in addition to keep the Olympics safe. Um, I mean, that is clearly going to have to go up if there's any amount of holdover from coronavirus. And 
And I'm sure many people are saying 2028, Jack, that's so far off. Why, why are we even thinking about potential coronavirus impacts? Um, but when we're talking about large-scale events like an Olympics, I think it's time to realize that no matter how rare, and this coronavirus has been unique and rare to be certain, there's always a chance, a possibility we could face, uh, I don't want to say a resurgence because I'm not a doctor. I don't know the specifics. I would hope that by that time we have a vaccine and this specific pandemic's under control. But what if another one breaks out? How are we prepared to handle that? Let's avoid um, mismanagement. Let's avoid another delay. And let's hope that we can keep our athletes safe. Um, now, uh, the, the LA 2028 spokeswoman said that they do have full confidence in privately funded budget accommodation. Um, all variables and scenarios are being updated and uh, evaluated consistently. And uh, the organizing committee's budget does include a $615 million contingency fund at roughly 10% of the overall budget. Um, that would not have covered unexpected costs in some previous games, however. So it's not that large of a number. Um, but also money is not the only issue. Um, if rioting in the streets happens during the 2028 games, they're going to need to, to increase police presence. And as we've seen, I really, really hope that this family can, uh, can figure out or this country can figure out how to handle all the social injustice that's going on. But we have to face the harsh reality right now that a lot of protests, a lot of riots are tearing apart our streets and causing economic struggles. And if that is something that happens during the Olympics, I mean, folks, it's the biggest sporting event in the world is now always has been, will forever be. And, and anything as, Anything even as trivial as small local issues can be a problem, let alone race riots and things like that. I mean, that could potentially halt an entire, halt an entire event. Um, so it's unfortunate how frequently lately I've been having to talk about, um, these struggles in our country, but they do affect sports and when they potentially affect uh, sports happening, and especially at such a large-scale international level as an Olympic. We're talking billions and billions of dollars at stake here, um, not only for the local Los Angeles economy, but for, for the federal government to have to step in and for our federal government and our country as a whole as well. Um, some optimism for the 2028 Olympics. Just, I, I would say LA is on a good track. Um, but I, I would not hesitate to use my imagination and think of everything that could potentially go wrong. And I just think that we have to keep this 2028 Olympics, no matter how far away it seems, um, at least somewhat in the front of our minds, um, because it, it's a great opportunity for our country. Um, and it's a great way to put the spotlight on our country and showcase all of our best, most positive qualities. Um, but there's a lot of room for it to go wrong. Um, so with that being said, I know we haven't talked about the the Olympics that frequently on this show. Um, possibly going to be bringing it in every once in a while, a little more often here um, on Billion Dollar Ballers. Um, but for now, that concludes our coverage of the Olympics.
And uh, we'll be moving forward to our, to our next segment. Um, and in our next segment, we're going to discuss a uh, little bit about the NHL, a little bit about the effects of, of COVID, how that's happening. Uh, talk about Mike Tyson's Legends Only League, which is super interesting. And then just talk a little bit about the, some various sports moving forward that we're going to be discussing in future shows. But before all of that, one last quick break. And want to remind everybody that this is Red Shirt Friday. What does that mean? That means that you wear a red shirt out wherever you're going to the office or shopping or whatever you're doing. Wear that red shirt, and that identifies you as someone that supports our first responders. And that is a very important thing today as we remember 2001, 9-11. And our hats are off always to our first responders to our veterans, and to our current active duty folks. So wear that red shirt just in support of our first responders and our military. And thank God that we have such a great military and so many wonderful people that dedicate their lives to helping you. And that's our first responders, be they police, be they EMTs, Whatever the case might be, they work for you. And, you know, the biggest thrill that any first responder gets is a thank you. And um, Dr. Barber and I were talking about this the other day, that, uh, you know, the greatest thing you can have as an individual is to look in someone's eyes and you can tell they're saying thank you. And it's very important. So whenever you see a first responder, go up, say thank you. Or if you get the opportunity, go ahead and buy them a meal. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, I am Roger B., host of the Locked and Loaded Show on America's Web Radio. Be sure to join us live every Tuesday at 1500 hours for the latest in gun news, gun products, gun politics, and other gun-related stuff. That's Tuesday, 1500 hours, America's Web Radio. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients, dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. Welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers. And welcome back to our final segment. Um, I'm going to get right into it because we're running a little bit behind today. Um, and, and our final segment uh, is going to discuss a couple unique topics, but the first one of those being the NHL. 
Um, I don't talk about the NHL that frequently on this on this platform. We have discussed it a few times in the past, um, but uh, for those of you who are fans of the NHL, th- there's a unique version of the Stanley Cup playoffs going on right now. Um, and it is a little sobering to realize that when this unique version of the playoffs is concluded, we might not see the NFL, NHL for a long time. Uh, that means we won't see the Penguins, for example, play for an extended period. Will Sidney Crosby be losing a year or more of his remaining career because of the pandemic? Now, if you ask me, that's a very real possibility. Uh, the NHL derives roughly 37% of its total revenue from ticket sales. Um, that's compared to 27% for the MLB, 22% for the NBA, and 16% for the NFL. Um, now, thanks to the mammoth network contracts that we've discussed at length in the past on this show, the NFL can make a huge profit without selling any tickets. Obviously, they're losing a large chunk. Um, but they still turn a profit. That's why they're playing this season, um, even with the limited fans. But the NHL loses considerable money. Uh, it cannot afford to be a made-for-TV product. Um, and, and if they were to have, for example, a half house or less for the sake of social distancing, that won't cut it either. Selling a fraction of the tickets, even temporarily, would kill most NHL teams. They need sellouts. The question also begs, uh, what happens if the NHL can sell tickets and fans don't buy them? I mean, we can't overlook the fear generated by COVID, folks. I mean, this is this is a very real thing, and it's starting to last longer and longer. Uh, we've heard so much about this thing dying down over the summer months in the heat. Well, we're coming back around to fall to winter. It's going to be cold again. Um, maybe people, maybe there's another spike. I don't know what's going to happen with this, but it does not bode well for the NHL. I mean, even if the NHL could make it work financially without ticket sales, the players aren't going to go back into a bubble. I mean, not ever. By all accounts, many players are miserable. I mean, comments, mostly off record, I'll admit, but comments are leaking out of this bubble and anyone I know in the NHL has been saying that these players are not enjoying being in this bubble. Now, I mean, they obviously love their sports. They're professional athletes, and, and they love the, the sport of NHL, NHL hockey. Um, but if they're cracking after a month in the bubble, I mean, let's be, let's be realistic here. 82 games plus playoffs is out of the question. It should not even be considered. Uh, a relatively brief sacrifice for the sake of completing a season is one thing, but that method cannot become a way of life for the NHL and its players. December 1st is being reported as a start date for the NHL 2020-2021 season. Uh, folks, good luck. I mean, I mean, good luck with that. I, In my opinion, that's a pipe dream. I give it 0% chance. I mean, you, re- you really think that the NHL on December 1st, assuming that we don't have a vaccine and, and this isn't under control, is going to reopen their season. There's simply no way. Um, they cannot afford it. They can't come back and have no fans. Uh, and if their only way forward is with fans and COVID's still around, that leaves you one option. 
not having an NHL season. Uh, I'm not hoping the NHL shuts down for a year or more, but I'm curious to see what happens if that's perceived as a legitimate possibility. How are they going to continue the league, period? Would, would players take pay cuts to keep the league going? I know I would take a pay cut to keep my business alive, but the, we're talking about athletes that make a heck of a lot more than myself and most of these listeners. I mean, that would take trusting the owners to, to be honest about the financial situation. And, and let's be frank here, many times in the past, owners have not. Uh, next season's cap is frozen at $81.5 million. Um, that being said, the salary cap is set to plummet because of decreasing revenue. Can owners afford to pay their players? Um, would the players risk using the MLB model, playing home and away in empty arenas? We've seen how that's worked out. Or would the NHL just pack it in for months and, and dare I say, years? Um Again, I like to deal with facts on this show, and the fact is the NHL simply can't afford to do it without fans, and in my mind, simply can't afford from a health standpoint to do it with fans. Um, so I don't have the answers for you. I don't know what's going to happen, but I would just offer that uh, it's a distinct possibility that we see major changes um, in a long time off from the NHL. So for all those NHL fans, Enjoy these playoffs while you can. I'm not trying to put a tamper on your mood, but I think it needed to be discussed. Um, not as much time in this segment as I would have liked to discuss uh, a bunch of different sports per se, but I will be able to touch on one of my favorites recently. For those of you who haven't seen this yet, former heavyweight boxing champion Mike Tyson teased fans for weeks uh, posting workout videos and cryptic messages on social media before finally announcing his long-awaited return to the ring against Roy Jones Jr. Uh, it will be a pay-per-view on Triller, uh, Frontline Battle, in front of millions and millions of fans, to be sure. Um, and Tyson's one of the biggest entertainers in the history of sports and his sport. Um it's it's going to be extremely interesting to see that fight. I'm definitely interested to see that as well. Um, but perhaps more important to discuss is the founding of Mike Tyson's Legends Only League. Now, this is a, a venture owned by Tyson and CEO of Eros Innovation, Sophie Watt. Um, per the deal, all of this initial fight, uh, which is being tagged frontline battle, are controlled by Triller, that streaming service. Um, but there will also be further collaboration in the future. Now, what Mike Tyson's Legends Only League is intended to be is a platform for uh, older or retired athletes to come out and, and display their craft. And I think that this is a genius idea. Now, what he's doing here, I mean, it's really great, folks. He's, he's capitalizing on a hole in the sports market. And that is, I mean, think about all those great legends you've seen retire. Um, your, your Derek Jeters, your Mike Tyson, um, your Michael Jordan. I mean, 
no one would say that they didn't want to continue watching all of these people, but it was time for them to stop competing at the highest level of their sport. But consider for a second that they could continue to compete against exclusively other legends at a slightly lower level. Would that intrigue you? I, I mean, I know as a sports fan myself, that would intrigue me. Um, so, and this is what Tyson's going for here. It's going to be legends from a whole wide array of sports displaying their craft against other legends on a pay-per-view format. Um, and as we've seen from the Capital One sponsored the match with Tiger and, and Phil Mickelson, and now we're seeing with Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr., people are willing to pay uh, typically around a $50 amount uh, by the million to watch these legends perform. Um, so I just think it's going to be great for sports, expand the economic footprint. Hopefully good old Mike Tyson gets to make some extra money off of it, and hopefully the fans get to enjoy some of their legends just a little bit longer. Um, so with that being said, um, that's the conclusion of our show today. A lot of uh, great topics, as always. Great to be with you. I look forward to continuing to cover the return of the NFL season, the winding down in the playoffs of the NHL and the NBA season, and continue to bring some, some uh, alternative and some new content to the show, discussing, as always, the economics and the business of professional and collegiate athletics, collegiate sports. Um, with that, I'm Jack Christides. This has been Billion Dollar Ballers, and I'll see you next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.